Hey guys, and welcome back to Digital Artcast, uh, episode 4. Um, again, you're with episode. me. Oh yeah, 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 episode 4, you're yeah, right. Yeah, we're on episode 4. Titus, uh, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, he was 3, the best number 3, so yeah, that was it. Um, so again, yeah, I'm Gordon Neal, back with Colin Zero. Hey, hey guys. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, for you don't know, uh, I am an amateur artist just now, looking to enter the entertainment industry as an environment artist. Um, and Colin, quick learn down what you do. I draw stuff and get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically all you need to know. No, yes. I work at I work at Elliot Animation in Toronto. I do. God, what do I do? I do backgrounds. I do layouts. I do storyboard revisions. I do development work. Um, I actually just put together a massive amount of development work for uh, the head of the studio to go pitch, which he just did, and it was fun. Cool. Cool. So yeah, Colin does all that stuff. Kind of jack of all trades, master of none. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. And I'm not <laughs> even getting into what I do on the side, but that's... <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, we can review. Um, since mine's going to probably lead into the main discussion, we'll start with you, Colin. How was your week <clears throat> or two since we spoke? Um, I guess I'll talk about last week, because this week has been like like two days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last week, let me see. Um... It was pretty much the same as the week before it, and actually, oh, you know what? I can I can totally talk about <clears throat> stuff that that is different than before. Cool. So I moved into a new apartment, which is fucking awesome. Um, it looks really cool. Uh, we did a really good job, and by we, I mean me and my parents moved in like a ton of stuff. It actually doesn't look like a lot of stuff now, but I got I can't, I gotta get a webcam and I can actually like show <laughs> show people, yeah, show people, yeah. But like, there's Lego everywhere, and there's like cool shit. There's a Doom poster sitting right in front of me. Nice. Um, man, we had to put in like four or five light fixtures and a towel rack. And um, I actually have to still have to rip up the, um, um, the, um, the bathroom sink vanity because there's like a giant red, I think, nail polish stain on it that the previous owner just kind of just stained. I don't know how, what happened with that. But yeah, um, <laughs> I don't think the apartment people are going to replace that because yeah. they're just... And I mean, like, even if I'm, even if I got them to do it, they'd probably do it wrong. So yeah. we're gonna do it ourselves, which is fine. But yeah, living on my own is cool. Did it did it once before with roommates, but man, this is truly on my own, and it, it is the best thing ever. Yeah. Like, took me about a day to get used to it, and I'm just like, this is the best. <laughs> and um, it's cool because uh, because because my studio setup is actually it's it's like beside my bedroom, but it's not in my bedroom. So bedroom cool. is for sleeping and listening to audiobooks and reading. And pretty much nothing else. Mm -hmm. And then studio space is for like building Lego and painting shit and drawing traditionally and going, you know, doing digital art. So yeah, like separate spaces, good. Work zone and sleep zone, which is awesome. Nice. And uh, on the work side, I learned that I was, uh, I was going to be um, slowly transitioning into layouts and backgrounds, which I'm actually pretty happy about. Nice. Going to be awesome. Um, a lot of the interns are leaving, so I'll be taking over for what some of them are doing and also doing some, some slightly more advanced stuff. Uh, probably uh, getting rough layouts and cleaning them up as well as painting. Uh, probably doing some rough layouts of my own, depending on what they need. It's really, just, it's really just what the production needs. And because I didn't really get hired on in the traditional sense of, like, you get hired on as an animator for, you know, 10 months, yeah. um, I pretty much got hired on to just do everything. <laughs> Which is kind of cool because I'm getting experience in a ton of areas really fast, and that's yeah. pretty much exactly what I wanted. So score one for that, or score like five or six for that so far. Nice. 
It's crazy. Like I've worked on, let me see, three series that are in production already, and de- uh, worked on development for like another two or three. So, like, learned a whole bunch of styles already. You know, learned how to do alg- alg- algorithmic design, which I'll talk about later if we have time. Probably yeah. won't, but whatever. Cool. But like, holy shit, the learning is is like it's intensifying. And I think the last thing I'll talk about is holy fuck, seven workouts in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So yes. um, I, I mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but going out with uh, with the head of the studio, George, um, and his kids. One of uh, um, uh, uh, they're actually both pretty close to my age. Um, let me see, Matt's. I think he's either in grade 12 or transitioning into university, and Jen is in third year. But um, uh, they're both really active. Obviously, so is George. We all just go out together. Occasionally, other people from the studio come too, but apparently I'm the only one who hasn't given up, (laughs) which is kind of funny. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like seven days, seven workouts. On the weekend, I work out by myself. But in the week, we go for like an hour and a half in the middle of the day and just absolutely work ourselves to death. Then go back to the studio and draw more shit, which is awesome. Awesome. Cool. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so you're just uh, hardcore in it, basically doing everything at once. Pretty much the only th- the only stuff that I that I haven't really started back up yet is is the freelance work and the personal work. But actually, that's a total lie because I just finally okayed two freelance projects, so I'm starting them now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the personal work and the studies are also starting back up. Finally, I started to listen to uh, uh, you know like motivational speeches, the same ones I listened to before back in like second and third year. But it's sort of like I'm trying to revitalize myself and. Yeah. get myself back into all the stuff I was into before because I didn't stop developing. I just kind of, I didn't even slow down. I was just developing in different ways, but I'd like to get back to what I was doing before, which is, you know, just kind of just picking picking up where, where I left off with all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, busy as shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I'm not going to crazy amounts of conferences and industry talks and all that stuff mm. although even that's a lie because i'm going to one on september 3rd and 4th but yeah. with that let's go into your stuff because yeah. that's pretty cool uh yeah so a lot of guys uh that listen or, or you might not know but i'm just back from london this weekend um i was down for <clears throat> industry workshops um or iw16 as a lot of guys know it um so this was the the third consecutive year that it had run um it basically right. is uh a collective of guys from both film and game um, and the art side and they get together to do tutorials, talks, presentations, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's also live demos during the weekend where people paint and you can sit and watch them. Um, so yeah, a lot of big names. Um, we're going to try and make our way through most of the talks I attended, talk briefly about what they were about and then me and Colin can kind of rant on different design principles that they brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just... A lot to take in because again it was over three days, um, technically four, and there was a lot to see and do. Um, some really big names, um, like I mean, some of their highlights this year in particular um, were. Now I'm going to get this guy's name slightly wrong. Um, now it's Nick, and then it's Gindra, Gindra, um, but he was from Naughty Dog. Um, he's an environment guy. Um, Aaron Beck, who is of currently Infinity Ward, but he was previously wet a workshop. Um, and a couple other companies and a lot of freelance stuff basically that he's been quite famous for. Um, Ash Thorpe was there with the Collective Podcast um, and then Thomas Scholes was there um, from Utah and he was uh, of previous um, Arena.net, um, Disney and T43 Industries. He's currently freelancing. Uh, and then kind of like another big highlight was um, most of the guys from the CD Project Red team were there who worked on Witcher. 
Um, it's basically kind of Witcher 3, and they were going over kind of like a lot of different stuff as well, you know, contained I, within. I have a question. Yes. When you saw the CD, CD Projekt Red guys, were any of them dragging you around like IV poles with just coffee in them? <laughs> how, how, how the fuck do any of them, like, I, I, I honestly, I, I thought they're robots. <laughs> yeah. How does such a small team develop a game like The Witcher and not be robots? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, it's, I mean, um, one of the guys I decided recently and started talking to was uh, Marek Majer, and he is a 2D character artist, and uh, when he was doing a panel, they were talking about, like, you know, Jinger's working too hard and stuff, and his line was... I'm oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was like, I'm from Poland. There's no such thing as working too hard. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that pretty much makes sense. Um, I love that, though. Yeah, but... The guy, uh, the guy and my boss would do really well together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he he was just talking about how, you know, people always go about, like, oh, Junior's got a bad rap and people get taken advantage of. Um, but, you know, you know definitely, uh, he was saying that the hard work essence when you start is, is pretty much non-stop. Um, you know, in most studios, you're kind of close to the wire in most um, most things, so you're always chasing your tail. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah, but, but that was a kind of overview. But the CD Projekt Red guys were cool. Like, yeah, they were. Um, I saw two of the talks, um, which was Marson and uh, Marek, and one was based on 3D and one was in 2D. Um, so yeah, they were they were awesome talks. Um, I'll kind of start from where I, you know I started on the Friday. Um, one of the first ones I went to see actually. Was a guy uh, recently friended um, called uh, Nikolai Lockerson, and he um, has built his entire career using pretty much only the iPad and painting tools, um, specifically Procreate. Um, I don't know if you've ever used that, Colin. Uh, I've seen many people used it, but as I do not own an iPad, I have never used it. Cool. Have you ever thought of getting something about you know for mobile sketching or? I've I've you know what I've used the iPad Pro. I've used that damn pencil, and it's the best fucking thing ever. The only concern I had was that. So um basically uh yeah um with with small tablets like the iPad Pro and um, and Cintiqs mm -hmm. and even even computer monitors, but especially the newer ones like yeah. any basically anything past the year two thousand. Uh -huh. um, people that have been using those for a really long time. Um, the, um, the article is specifically talking about Pixar artists, uh -huh. but they're um, they're starting to get detached retinas, which is something bad that goes on in the back of your eye. Oh, cool. um, eye problems, eye strain, you know, past the usual sort of you know like like red vein thing you get occasionally. Yeah. But um, people are having to basically like halt their careers and get their eyes repaired because they're just staring at screens for too long. Wow. And that that's that's um, um, the thing about Cintiqs and tablets and stuff is they haven't been around for long enough that you know for any real research to be done. Yeah, so basically, watch out how much time you're you know you're um, you're staring at a computer screen or a tablet because there's not enough research. Um, you know, take take like a five minute break every forty five minutes. I've actually started to set a timer. Uh -huh. You know, like every forty five minutes to an hour, I get up for five minutes, do a couple of push ups. Uh, you know, take my garbage out, make some food, whatever. Um, if I had a dog, I'd walk it, but I'm not home right now, so I don't have my dog. Yeah. But yeah, like it's just really, really important to get in like a good solid workout every day and get up every 45 minutes to an hour or so is what the research is currently saying. Cool. But apparently you can also get like like yellow tinted glasses to, to to negate a lot of the blue light that apparently Cintiqs give off that really damages your retinas and the in internal parts of your eyes. I don't understand any of that, but mm. yeah, I think it's if if, if we're going to be using you know, digital devices like tablets and Cintiqs for basically the rest of our careers. Mm -hmm. I think this, this, this kind of stuff is important, you know? Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, it's, it's something actually I've I've always kind of thought with my own career, and especially me growing up in the time when computers were just kind of coming into their own. Um, I've stared at screens for the past maybe twenty years, and yeah. I've always thought eventually I would have to get glasses or some kind of eye correction. Um, but my vision is still pretty okay. Um, I've never really struggled to read anything, even at distance. So. I'm kind of lucky like that, but I mean, I maybe don't spend as much time as some working professionals. Um, but the thing I think a lot of guys uh, always was told was the worst was when you work in really dark rooms like animators do, um, yeah. and you have a, a bright light on. So like if you're working in, in a well-lit area, it's usually not too bad. Um, mm -hmm. But then if you're in like a lot of dark rooms or a lot of places where they've got the shades drawn, then yeah, that can start to obviously affect your eyes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, speaking of Nikolai, you know, he talked about how he's never really opened Photoshop. He's always, you know, used the iPad. And when the pencil and the iPad Pro was announced, um, he was saying obviously that you know it was like Christmas for him. Um, but his stuff, obviously, um, you were talking about it yesterday. You know, his his stuff, and it's it's you know it's great. The minute stuff he can actually pull off with just uh with just the tablet. Um, yeah. Yeah. So definitely, I mean, Nikolai's wanting to watch out, but you know, um, he's actually got some stuff online. Um, some tutorials, but he was also talking about that as well. Where you know people were concerned about the iPads light and stuff like that. But I know they just recently added a feature where you can change the light from blue to like it's not red, but like an orange, like a kind of amber, like a the light that's supposed to help you naturally fall asleep. Right. Yeah. Did, did you know that or? Um, I've heard of it before briefly. I think someone in the studio may, may have even been talking about it. Yeah, uh, there is a, a, a switch on the bottom of the kind of like quick start uh, selection where you can turn the iPad or your device um, from a blue light to like an amber. So it doesn't yeah. actually, yeah, it doesn't keep you awake. It doesn't like hurt your eyes as much at night. So, so yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, so I saw Nikolai. Um, his stuff was really, really great. His, his painting demo and Procreate was awesome. Um, they have an awesome feature where... You can build um, perspective grids and procreate really, really quickly. Oh, sweet! Either one, two, or three point. Um, so he done that, and then within the layer, if you put on, I think it's um, perspective assist. Every line you draw from there on will be in perspective automatically. Nice. So it helps you mock up buildings and city scenes quite quick and stuff so like that. So it's kind of like lazy Nazumi, but for iPad. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So cool. um, yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, Sonic Lie, um, that was on the Friday. Um, I think the other ones I caught, um, like I saw Titus Lunter um, doing a painting demo. So he was working on some personal work um, for his project Discovery. Um, so we watched a live demo of him painting for two hours. Um, really, really good stuff. I got a lot mm -hmm. of stuff kind of answered on like his painting technique, how he works with composition and storytelling. Um, and, you know, he was using his Cintiq companion at the time. Um, but I did notice a bit of lag with him when he was drawn with that. But I think because he works in such large scale, like, I think roughly now, um, with most of his paintings, he's working in 9K. Um, for Holy like, shit. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge um, step up. But a lot of the guys, I think, were talking about that at the weekend, how they're working higher and higher. Just because when you start to paint smaller strokes, you get more detail in. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, when you're working on smaller things like the companion, it's not really built with as much memory, so it can struggle a bit. I think I reduced the image he was working on to 5K to try and yeah. get it to work. So, um, but yeah, that was that was a huge thing. Um, so, and then um, Suzanne Hellman, um, she actually done a talk. Um, she's from the Netherlands. She done a talk on IP building with a snowflake method. So she was talking about how. When you're writing and producing your own IPs and characters, um, how they basically have to be reactive and non-reactive. Um, also, you know how to describe them within scenes. Um, that was a great talk as well. Really loved that. 
Um, and then there was a panel at night, panel two, which you know was collected by a lot of the guys from the day. Um, moving quickly on to like uh, the Saturday, which was like the kind of main event for me. The kind of the main one that I watched was Borkor Eriksson, um, and he talked about painting principles. Um, so yeah, basically just getting into traditional how he builds compositions and painting. Um, Borkor, for people who don't know, uh, I'll link all these guys below. Um, Borkor um, is from Iceland originally. And he worked with, um, and I forget the name of the guys who actually work on it, but he worked on the game EVE Online for 12 years. Holy! Yeah, so he's done a lot of work with them, basically. Um, he just recently left, I think about a year ago, um, and then he's in a kind of indie startup um, working on UIP. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, yeah, he worked on EVE for um, a long, long time. And a lot of his work was obviously based around that, a lot of the ship design, planetary stuff, um, it showed some environments for like, not only like space, but like, um, planet side stuff. Um, but he talked about, uh, just the basic kind of painting principles that were the best things to get into for practice. Um, I know one thing he talked about, there was a a really good story I told us, um, and I I thought it was really, really good. Um, and it was, um, I can't remember if it was Borka that told, I'm pretty sure it was, I'm 90% sure it was Borka that told the story of, um, a really famous, um, painter or artist because <clears throat> he was talking about like the the creative process and how we try to struggle with it our whole life um but he done i think he done sports photography or sports, sports photography sports um paintings for like sports illustrated and stuff like that i think he just mm-hmm. recently died a couple of years back um do you know what i'm talking about colin yeah i think so yeah so so basically he was talking about when um when he was doing these kind of his, his paintings there was a guy who used to report on like a lot of his stuff and in, in sports and then when the painter was dying um, and he was in bed, like he was, you know, he was in, like hospitalized, um, the writer came to see him, um, and he had a little sketch pad so he could like communicate to the nurses because at that point he couldn't speak very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as he was kind of like before he died, he was trying to draw the ear of the patient next to him. <laughs> so Borker was crying literally up until the minute he dies. Died, yeah. Wow. Pretty much. So, um, Borker was saying that was there was something kind of beautiful in that the fact that, you know, even like before his death, he was he was still trying to figure out how an ear worked. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit a bit depressing, I suppose. But yeah, it's it's Yo, it's, it's probably that is that is straight up bucket list for me right now. That's that's going on my bucket list. Yeah, deep, definitely deep. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was just talking about trying to you know form a personal identity. You know, I talked to him as well when I got a question to say about you know what he believes about personal work and he said you know he believes that personal projects for people are something that keep you revitalized that keep you interested in actually being an artist because so much of what you'll do will be for other people so you always have to try and wrestle back something for yourself um and that's probably what you're struggling with just now because obviously you're you're full-time at elliot and you're trying to obviously fit in stuff just for you Mm -hmm. um you know what that's actually that's totally on the nose that's pretty much exactly what i'm going through right now and the only the only good thing about well, actually, no, not the only good thing. There's a ton of good things about working for Elliot, but one of the really good things about developing new new projects, you know, constantly on the side, mm-hmm. is it's almost like personal work. Like he basically just gives you the pitch. If there if there was a little bit of development work done prior, he mm-hmm. gives you that, and then you're basically given carte blanche. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I mm-hmm. kind of doubt it. Yeah. You know, like he just he was just like go wild. Like who cares? So if if it if 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 it's not used, then we'll just move on to the next one. Or if it if it's not successful, or you're not really. If, if, if the idea isn't really, you know, jiving with you, then fuck it. We'll just move on to something else. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome then. I mean, but, um, 
<clears throat> I mean, you definitely want to try and get back to like your own kind of personal stuff at one point. Obviously, you were talking about yesterday about your uh, your art station portfolio, and you really want to try and start mixing it up with new stuff. Yeah, like um, new fan art, definitely. I actually I was watching a Bobby Chu interview, and he uh, and and he was this. Uh, I think he was talking to um, to Lois Van Barl just oh, about cool. her her stuff. And I had no idea that Bobby Chu didn't like fan art. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I'm going to do some fan art anyway. <laughs> I mean, like, people have this thing against it. But, you know, I know, you know, I was talking to the head of one of the studios that I want to work at and uh, based in Glasgow. And, you know, he was, he was talking about how he started his whole art career in comics um, and doing comic work. So, and he obviously talked about his days of drawing fan art. So, like everybody starts like that. That's how you start. You know, you get into this exactly. industry because you're a fan. You love the stuff that people already do, so you want to imitate that. You want to be like them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely do it. Why not? Um, so I yeah, probably one of the best authorities—not authorities, but like um, one of the best uh, speakers or, or 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 someone who has the best opinion on fan art. Probably be Jake Parker because like he actually breaks it down into like the levels of fan art in one of his in one of his YouTube videos. I can uh, I can give you the link. Okay. Throw in the description of this one, but yeah, he's um he's like so like level one of fan art is like just you know drawing the character as the character with almost no you know no difference, and that's mm-hmm. cool because mm-hmm. it shows that you you know you love the IP, um you love the character, mm-hmm. you know like 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 you love what it is, yeah. and then like the second level of fan art is um <laughs> like like drawing the character but in your own style, yeah. but not really putting your own spin on it quite yet, and then he's like then the third level of fan art is like. <laughs> Is like taking a sci-fi character and making them steampunk, or like you know doing some crazy you know new shit with them and just completely reinterpreting the character. And I was just like, whoa, I never thought about that. And he's like, usually the people that go to step three in terms of you know like 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 you know taking a whole bunch of Star Wars characters and making them Victorian, yeah, those are usually the people that go viral. And that's that's kind of how you how you get a lot of recognition doing something that has never been done before, never been thought of, and it's super simple, like. Take a character, like I don't know, Luke Skywalker, make him mm. steampunk. Bam, cool yeah. concept. Um, that was like you no, know, that's that's actually literally already been done. Whoops. Yeah, <laughs> there was a uh, a guy. I mean, I showed this stuff to you yesterday. Uh, Connor Burke, the guy who done the Darth Vader meets Dark Souls. Yeah. Yeah. So Connor's stuff obviously is great as well, and that's got him viral, and that's why it went viral because obviously, like you said, he's he's taking that character out of context and putting it in another. Um, another genre, which was the Dark Souls universe, but because it's um, new and it's interesting, and people are like, "Whoa, I've never seen that before." Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, his lightsaber is basically a sword that glows red. You know, there's a lot of similarities, but you know, he's taking that twist on it. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, moving on to Borker, who was a great speaker. Um, Aaron Beck was after lunch, and uh, Aaron, like I said, works at Infinity Ward just now, um, but he obviously was previous most of his career in Wet Workshop. Um, so Weta Workshop, if you guys don't know, is the place um, in New Zealand where they do a lot of the VFX for um, like Lord of the Rings and like a lot of loads of other kind of like stuff like Avatar and that and other big, they're kind of the ILM of that side of the world. Um, and so Aaron was based around here, but his whole design, as a design driven talk he done, was all about like finding your voices as, as an artist, how to design, how to build, like he went through his whole kind of career. Um, and man, that guy is that guy's a rock star. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's kind of being like a kind of self-made man. Like he talks about like when he was really young. I think he was like, God, like nineteen. He was doing some three D animation stuff, um, and then with that three D t- um, animation he done within university, he got picked into a, an animation place that basically took him as an intern because his work was so good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you had a hilarious, funny story about, you know, the place was self-catered every day, so every day they would bring in lunch. Oh, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, he'd get home, and his, his mum would be like, how's the job? And he'd be like, oh, man, like, there's, there's a self-catered lunch every day, and they have beer in the fridge, it's amazing. And she'd be like, what about the job? He's like, ah, yeah, the job's fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he started interpreting a lot of his graphics and... and drawing into animations for like drum and bass like there was this whole thing i'll put a lot i'm going to be putting a lot of industry workshop stuff in the in the screen for you guys who are watching it on youtube um but i'll put up the video without sound because the sound is actually from a a, a a copyrighted kind of music thing but he done a whole thing where he showed this like drum and bass loop he done for when he used to like dj Mm-hmm. Um, and like he would use like his, these robots that he drew and like um, animations, like 2D animations for like background on the screens and stuff. Um, and then that was like him talking about like finding his style, how he'd love to draw robots and everything really mechanical. But you know, the guy, you know, I think he got out of like university, he got like a freelance gig with Animation Place. Mm-hmm. They paid him a couple of grand. Um, and I think with that money, he basically toured Southeast Asia. Holy crap. Yeah. And, wow. uh, took pictures of, like, jumping spiders and animals and just, like, walked the earth. Um, Damn, yeah. son. And then he came back from that really quickly, um, and I think just after he came back, about four or five days, the tsunami hit. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, so, like, the places he was walking about and taking pictures of, like, uh, it was basically... Just don't exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he'd done a really cool thing, actually, where he used a lot of his photography throughout Asia, and he set up, a, like, an exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the money that he made from the exhibition went to a charity to help the tsunami victims, um, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, just basic yeah. cool humanity stuff. Um, but then obviously he talks about like going into his career, um, how he painted and drew the kind of sci-fi stuff, and basically got um, into Weta um, through a contact. Um, and then eventually they called him back up to work on um, new. I think it was Avatar, um, but he's also worked on stuff like Elysium, um, the film. Um, and a couple of like, loads of other projects, um, but also within then he was talking about like personal projects, how he built this old car, like he really wanted that. It was like kind of trying to think what the name of the car was. It was kind of like an American muscle car, um, and the money he had at the time, he just bought, built like a, a, a bought like a really old version and done it up. So I think he he got like a bill for three grand for like a clutch one time, and he was like, oh wow. fuck, fuck this. So he got <laughs> a, a user manual and a tool set and just built the whole thing himself um but he was showing us some of the the final pictures i'll try and get some of them up but it was badass basically um and yeah he's just talked about like all the stuff he's usually done for personal work has always got him noticed um so yeah super successful guy if you guys haven't checked out aaron beck again i'll link him in the description Mm um i only caught a portion of nick from naughty dogs talk about an hour um, but again, that's, was, that's a pretty big portion. <laughs> yeah, well, it's two or talks. So it was about half of it. Um, <clears throat> but he was talking about design principles again, and he used some um, personal work that he had done outside of Naughty Dog to illustrate like how to design functional buildings and stuff like that. Um, like he talked about this whole thing about um, a situation like if Russia won the space race, like how, de- how developed they would have been as a country. Yeah. Um, so he drew a lot of like pictures from that. So um, super interesting guy, and then. The last one at the night is the one I kind of want to go into, and it was totally amazing, which was Mike Hill. Um, Mike is um, a concept freelance designer now, but he's worked on huge projects. He's also working on Call of Duty as well, um, but his concept stuff is, is world known. But he done a whole design run on um, the monomyth structure. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, if people don't know, with monomyth, um, a, a researcher that 
was kind of into like storytelling and neuroscience stuff like that went around the world years ago and found that everybody was basically telling the same story um like there was the same structure basically um but then they just told it differently um mm-hmm. so he used you know the kind of things he's learned studying neuroscience because he walked away from a studio to go back to study that stuff because he wanted to learn how people basically interpret media and images into their brain mm-hmm. um and how like your brain is broken down into like three kind of like pieces um and then he talked about like you know with yeah, I think he used um, Terminator 2 to basically show <laughs> how yeah, Cameron um, told the hero's story or the hero's journey through the monomyth, um, which was awesome because, you know, he broke it down scene by scene um, and it was all about, like, you know, the, the connotations and stuff you don't see earlier on about how, I'm trying to think of an example, but the, the bit at the start where John is running down a corridor away from the T-1000 yeah, um, and like he sees Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Arnold actually drops a box when he's bringing the shotgun out, and it's like a box of roses. Yeah, if you listen in the background, there's like a, a church bell tolling, and then he walks and like tramples on the roses. So it's kind of like it's supposed to symbolise like the death of John's innocence and his childhood. Um, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh shit! And then uh, even how he like it starts and ends questions that you raise yourself in the same places, like. Oh god, there's a really weird bit at the, at the start where he's on his bike going to the arcade, and he passes this. It's like and it's shot in this alley, and when um, John passes in this alley, you see the Terminator on the bike, and you're kind of saying to yourself, "Who the fuck is this guy?" But then uh. later on that, when he saves them from the T1000, they come back to the same alley, and then he's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, oh, "I'm the Terminator. I've been sent here to protect you." So he shows how <laughs> he manages to wrap up the question you had in the same place. Um, so stuff like that, like loads of stuff all the way through, how like he's basically trying to build the perfect family structure, like with Schwarzenegger being the dad, uh, his mum yeah, being... Um, yeah, just his mum. <laughs> yeah, but then at the same time, through at the start, he talks about how she actually plays the dad role because Kyle dies in the first one, so yeah. she's got to take over that mantle, and then obviously John transitioning from um, um, childhood to adulthood, yeah. um, and how by the end of the film they're like the perfect family unit. Um even stupid thing like I think when they're getting chased at the end and the guy's in the big ice truck and they're in a the little van with a house in the back of it. Yeah. He's like you would never see a car like that in America. So obviously they're trying to like determine like by now they're the perfect family unit in this house. And then there's a lot of symbols where like obviously the guy drives out the back of it so he's trying to destroy the house. Um Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> even the fact that like every time you see the T one thousand, um, he's always portrayed in a blue light. Um, whereas Schwarzenegger is always portrayed in red light. So, right. so it's oh no no so it's the other way about so T one thousand the bad guys and the red light and the the Terminators in the blue light so it's like it's good and evil at battle all the time so mm-hmm. like framing and stuff like that it's, it's loads of stuff shit I need yeah. to see T two now again. yeah I mean like like I say it's once you point all this stuff out and you're never really looking for it but when you go back and watch you're like oh shit like I never thought you know um there's loads of stuff even the bit where he's on the bike. Um, and he imagines them pull him off the bike onto his bike, and then the bike gets crushed again. That's a whole thing, like John's childhood dying and stuff like that. <laughs> Everything is just yeah. Childhood. There's 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 so much stuff, and like passing through the arches in the early underground bit where the sewers, like the, going through the arches, like the transformation, and um, but yeah, loads of stuff you'd never actually think you would be conscious to, but then again, you look at it and go back, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Mike's Mike's. Uh, his talk at uh, the last thing night on Saturday was was super good. It was amazing. Um, I'll just move on to Sunday really quickly. Um, 
and then I think the first one I saw on on, on Sunday was uh, so Thomas Scholes. Um, so he talked about like his talk was design and storytelling. And Thomas obviously he started at Disney in Utah, and uh, then he worked across to three four three. After mm-hmm. that, um, he actually talked that he left Disney because he felt he wasn't growing anymore because the work was too easy. Right. Um, so he left to try and challenge himself. So, but he was saying by the end of three four three, by the end they like working on Halo four, he was like ready for like shutting down because he was so hard work. You know, it was such an intensive project. Yeah. Um, and then he obviously moved across to Arena Internet. Um, and then uh, he's done some freelance gigs since then. He's, he's like, he was funny. He was talking about it. He's, he's a hilarious guy. Like he's so funny to listen to, but at the same time, so intelligent and knows what he's talking about. Um, he was talking about this jokey way. He was like, I recently unlocked level thirty, so he turned thirty years old. <laughs> and he's like, I discovered these things called weekends again, um, and also this thing called patience. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, but he was talking Two very important things that are absolutely necessary for humans to live like yeah. proper humans. Yeah, he was even talking about how um, the 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 guys who actually um, work something like the forty hour weeks. There's actually more scientific proof that 35 hour weeks are more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about, like, uh, I mean, he talked about it over and over again, even with the panel that night. But he talked about how, you know, people were talking about, like, crunch and sprint and whatever else. And he was like, if people need to resort to that kind of stuff in studios, it's really just mismanagement by the managers. Um, if people need to resort to that kind of stuff, you obviously haven't planned your pipeline well enough. And you haven't hired enough people. And you're yeah. just trying to get by on, what you've got. you know, too little. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because he was saying, obviously, as a collective, as an as as a group of artists, we need to change the way the industry sees us, and that's never going to happen if we just like kind of like keep doing the same thing, or just yeah. overwork yourself to the point of death. Yeah, um, I know there was like there was a guy I can never remember the guy's name, but it was just recently I just saw it on my Facebook feed. One of the guys had to miss the last day of the the event because he had been working so hard previously. I think he collapsed. Holy um, shit! Yeah, so like they were all talking about like you know it's great to work hard and be determined in what you're doing, but you've got to look after yourself, basically. That's kind of insane, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that something you're finding now that you're working kind of full-time in a studio? You know what? I'm actually finding the complete opposite. Because, like, <laughs> it's it's sort of a weird transition because uh-huh. um, I'm trying to get used to doing simpler, easier work, whereas mm-hmm. everything I did before, like, it was purposefully hard because it was more detailed and, you know, like, it was, it was crazy high-rendered painting yeah. and it was super detailed characters that I was animating. Now... Things are simpler, but it's a completely different way of doing things. So it's actually harder because I'm learning how to simplify and to make things more iconic, mm. more cartoony. Yes, but also it's it's just a completely different way of doing things. And it's uh, you know like it's 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 easy in some ways, but it's also hard in other ways because it doesn't actually come naturally to me yeah. yet. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, at least but obviously you're looking after your health as well. You mean you're you're getting enough sleep. You're not staying up too late. You're you're trying to like. Work most of the time, most yeah, of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then again, you talked about like how you've just worked out seven days straight. So I mean, you like I said, we talked about this in a, a previous podcast. You know, healthy body, healthy mind. But you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to obviously make sure that your health is a priority going forward in your career. So yeah, like during school, I let that stuff slide a bit. You know, in second year, all my friends still remember when I got this, like just this, this amazing beer belly. It was, <laughs> it was, it was the best. Except yeah. it was also terrible because it was a beer belly. Belly. Yeah. And they're all like, dude, you you had the most epic beer belly because you weren't actually you weren't actually you know that big other other than the fucking beer belly. Yeah. It was like, I was just walking around just pregnant. It was, <laughs> man, it looks so weird. But yeah. yeah, like now that 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 shit is never gonna happen again because yeah. I'm gonna get you know I actually am doing a lot better already. But I'm basically gonna 
you know, remain in shape for as long as I can motivate myself to do so, which hopefully will be until my body starts to break down. Yeah, yeah, well, that's hoping, yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, so, you, Thomas showed a lot of stuff. Um, again, he talked about, like, taking back your own kind of art and style and, and making sure that you are an, an accomplished artist before you lose your soul to a studio. Um, it just basically broke down, you know, how he works for clients now and how he takes, like, an initial sketch and shows them it and then builds on that. Um, a lot of kit bashing stuff, you know, a lot of building quick small levels for games. Yeah. Um, but he's done a lot of stuff, so, but yeah, but Thomas's talk was, was incredible. Um, <clears throat> so after that was um, two guys that I watched. Um, you know, I'm going to get these names slightly wrong again um, because they are Polish. Um, but Marcin Klicky, Marcin Klicky, um, he was a Witcher 3 monster designer in 3D. Ooh. So his stuff, his whole process and how he builds monsters in 3D. Um, and then Marek Maje at the end, um, he was a Witcher 3 character designer. Um, and again, his process um, for building characters. A lot of, um, you've seen these guys, there's kind of like a little overlap in design themes. But, um, you know, um, Marek at the time talked about, you know, how there's a lot of things in nature you can find that are already quite fucked up. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can build from designs that they've already built on um, to, to make monsters and stuff like that. So... Yeah, um, and uh, it was funny as well. I mean, Marek's talk was really good, but he was super nervous because um, you know his English isn't a great way for him to speak just now. So, he and was add public speaking to that. Yeah, I can totally imagine. Yeah, it was really difficult, but his talk was awesome. Um, and then, of course, um, after that was one I went on to you about you know for about half an hour yesterday because it was so cool. Um, so Giles or not so Giles, it's Giles Ketting, right? Um, and he uh, was talking about IP and creation and. Um, he done the Ashen Falls, the horror, it's based on Silent Hill 2. Mm -hmm. So he obviously talked about like how he initially, um, like he's worked for companies before as as concept, but he then done his own thing where he was trying to make his own world because he was a huge fan of Silent Hill 2 and felt that like there hadn't been anything since then that had really captured the spirit of what they'd done in the second one. Yeah. Um, so he was trying to build that world again. Um, I mean, no rip-off, obviously, being influenced by, um, but it's also, he's... Uh, it has a female uh, gay um, woman who is you know, female, female gay character, um, and the and the whole kind of um, protagonist because he believes that the LGBT crowd isn't cared for in games, um, and that's something that he wanted to cover because he has friends who are LGBT. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so he obviously um, is catering to that, um, and he just went through a lot of his paintings, a lot of the stuff he used with photo techniques. Um, I showed a couple to Colin yesterday kind of the, the house with the girl standing with the axe um, again I'll link yeah. this all below but he is doing really well actually his stuff has been viral so he's been approached by um, I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say because um, I think when he was telling us you know it was kind of like well you guys really shouldn't say anything but um, like he's been approached by studios basically who have been interested in doing things with it um, and obviously games companies as well but it's, at, at the moment there's no actual gameplay stuff it's all just concept um, right so yeah like he's really stunned that the stuff is doing so well based on that um, alone. Well, he's got enough traction to, you know, get a couple of 3D artists, some lighters, and some animators, and then just, boop. Go for it. That's it. It's an indie game. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I saw at the end was Titus. Um, so Titus Linter, for those who don't know, again, I'll link. Um, is formerly of a lot of, a lot of different companies. We've done an interview on last episode. If you haven't checked that out, go check out episode three. Um, so he, he worked for a lot of studios, but recently Ubisoft um, worked on stuff like The Division. Uh, and now he is freelancing, but his talk was on, um, I mean, like, basically 
how to be a unique artist, like how to not get lost in the voice of what is coming out uh, today, like stuff like um, trends, like try not to get lost in what is a trend of painting just now, um, mm-hmm. stuff like lens flares, you know, parallax, um, you know, it's like just basically try to rekindle your voice um, so that your stuff is unique and can be taken seriously, so it's not just lost in the noise that is stuff like art stations, stuff like just online, you know, art. Um, and he talked about how um, there's a kind of circle where we need to constantly share information as artists or the industry just stops growing. Um, you know, I wish I had these slides up, but, you know, he was, he was talking basically about how um, if you don't demystify the process, then you just take it at face value. And then if you take stuff at face value, then obviously it's... Nobody it's, grows. Yeah, so you've really got to, you know, dive into, like, why that is a, that image works and how it works. Because then when you demystify, you can then start breaking it apart and understand how things are made. And that also helps you level up as an artist and, and find new ways to do things. Um, yeah, so like, that's, that's, that totally makes sense. Shit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, stuff like um, the online resources we have, like Nomon and stuff like that, now that they obviously teach... Um, that's why everybody is, is getting how good they are so quickly. Um, and that's what he says needs to continue because, you know, like he says, the, the industry is based around a lot of mutual respect and if we just hide away and don't really teach future generations, then again, we stop growing. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But um, let's talk in a, a lot more detail, just basically the process on how to break images down, how to start, how to rough. Um, but, yeah, again, um, Titus was in our last episode, we interviewed him, um, a great guy, just go and check him out. Um, and then we had the panel at the end of the night, and that pretty much closed up the weekend. Um, it's pretty cool how you got to interview the guy and then meet him, like, what, two weeks later? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I spoke to Titus on and off beforehand, um, you know, but not in depth. And then, again, we had the interview, we talked a bit more, and then we got to meet up. So, but, um, guy's lovely. You know, the, uh, what you probably found is... That weekend I had was that most guys, even the the biggest guys that were, I mean, God, the biggest guys in the industry, you know, were just so nice. You know, just nothing but time to talk to people, um, go over techniques. Um, you know, there was a guy, even another talk I, I missed out that I forgot to talk about, but Cornelius. Um, Cornelius done a lot of 3D work, mm-hmm. um, and he uses that and Keyshot to make some really cool images. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's like a parking lot and an astronaut with a phone box in the middle. Um, I might have. That sounds familiar. Sounds yeah. like something that went viral. Yeah, basically it did. So I mean, um, again, as big as he was, he was he was happy just to sit and talk to me and talk away. And then um, I spoke to him online a bit. Hopefully, I get an interview with him soon. Fingers crossed. Um, and yeah, even Mike Hill. Um, you know, a lot of the guys, even Aaron Beck. You know, and Aaron, like I said, is, is a rock star. The guy's been everywhere and anywhere. And again, he had nothing but time for people when he wanted to speak. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's. It's just a thing and, and a general uh, life lesson is don't be a dick. <laughs> so <laughs> just don't be a douchebag, yeah. everybody. That's it basically. Um so yeah, <laughs> so that was my weekend. Um and, and fucking good weekend, holy shit. Yeah, very eventful. Um it's basically just cramming a lot of knowledge and talks into one weekend, but um I I think as an artist I've grown, I've learned a lot more. It's inspired me to get back up and start painting again, you know. That's actually that's actually a really really big thing. One, I think one of the best things I've taken away from from like you know industry talks like that. Mm-hmm. All the information you get is good, but it's the inspiration just to get back to work that's probably yeah. been the best part for me specifically. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, again, I would I had a 
a fear of opening Photoshop, a fear of painting. Um, I just thought, you know, th th there's a, a person you can be when you get really envious of artists, and that envy turns to hate, and then you just <laughs> and hate yeah. leads to suffering. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but basically, you know, I wasn't I wasn't painting, I wasn't drawing, I wasn't really inspired to do much, and you know, I've got to admit the fact that. I'm going to be crap for a while until I get better, but then also when I get better, I'll be, you know, it's going to be, you know, I'm trying to keep, keep in terms with the fact that everybody's learning, you know, even Titus was saying that he was a small fish in a big pond, which I couldn't believe because he's had such an illustrious career already, but, um, you know, I could see with the guys he was talking to that were based more on movies, you know, it probably was true because, you know, these guys are, some of these guys are superstars like Aaron and that, but, um, yeah. again, just always being humble, you know, that's, that's, that's the main thing you need to take away from that. And it's great that I got to meet so many people and network like that because, uh, you know, even, you know, a guy we're trying to get on the podcast, uh, Timothy Rodriguez, you know, he's just currently of ILM in London, which is a huge thing. You know, ILM itself is massive and, um, the guy was, this guy was lovely. You know, I talked away him for about half an hour. It was lovely. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was it was a great weekend. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, and again, um, just a quick shout out to the guys who who made it happen. Um, you know, I'm thinking of just two just now off the top of my head, but there's also Daniel and Alex. Um, we're the kind of two biggest influences for the the thing to get run. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, just, I'll I'll link all this again. Um, and you know, below. But Alex Heath and Daniel Matthews were two of the biggest guys I saw there who helped run it. I know there was other people involved, but. Just to say, IW, thanks for having me. You know, thanks for putting it on and making such an effort to make everybody. You know, it was you know it was so well organised. Everybody went on on time. Everybody was set up properly. They all had, you know, because the thing is, um, there's so much goes involved. You know, to making a thing like that happen over the weekend and um, everything basically went off without a hitch. And you know, apart from the talks and the industry guys, there was also people there from um, game studios and movie studios that were interviewing and doing portfolio reviews. Um, you know, they had free breakfast in the morning, they had coffee and tea and drinks throughout the day, they were all free as well, they had live demos on, they had the guys from Wacom there demoing their kit, um, you know, loads of stuff going on, loads and loads and loads of stuff. Um, and this sounds more like a convention than like an industry talk. Yeah, basically, you know, it was, there was so much to see and do, you know, definitely. Um, and the best part of it also was 3D Total were there, so they were selling art books. I was like, yeah, got me. So I got to spend some money as well. <laughs> uh, nice. I, th I think I picked up their Art of Art of Fundamentals um, book and also the Art of Darken. Um, don't know if you know him, Colin. He's a he's a magic artist, but um, yeah, I do know him. He's actually he's actually one of my um, one of my favorites. Oh yeah, cool. No, so yeah, his art book was on sale, so I grabbed it. But um, so yeah, so yeah, it was a very eventful weekend. Um, oh, and also awesome, because I spent um, £50, I got two free B-grade um, anatomy statues, a man and a woman. Nice. So I'm like, yeah, it's good for modelling. So, yeah. Fucking awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was a good weekend, man. Um, so, yeah, and then I think what we'll do on the flip is, obviously, when you attend your talks as well, we can do a whole episode on that and go over the stuff you've seen um, and the guys you Yeah, I'll there. make sure I take pictures, and if not pictures, I'll just take a shitload of notes. Yeah, basically, yeah, just so we can we can do the reverse. But yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, so I mean, we'll probably just wrap it up there. I know Colin has work to get back to, um, but yeah, I'll link everything in, in the description. I'll try and add, you know, everybody I saw and all their websites or their art stations. Um, I'll also include, you know, for the guys again who are listening, um, you know, you guys can listen away. But if you are watching this on YouTube, I'll put some video and pictures of the weekend up there as well, um, and also, obviously. I'll link a whole shit ton of stuff related to industry workshops um, and how you guys can register for next year. Um, if anybody uh, within the European Union or even the UK 
wants to go to this that's based in London, um, happens every year, and it is well worth the money. Um, I think, I can't even remember the ticket price, but it was only, it was under £200. I mean, for the, for the amount of, you know, networking and things you're getting to see and do there, it's, it's well worth the money, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. So Sounds good, dude. Yeah, man, awesome. Okay, so again, guys, you know, thanks for listening. Um, thanks to Colin for joining me again. And, uh, yeah, check us out on YouTube. Um, I am going to try and work, work on it this week to get us on iTunes eventually. Um, and then, again, um, if you like and subscribe, it would be great if it help us out. And um, stay tuned, guys, because we've got more episodes coming. And uh, a lot more interviews planned. Obviously, coming back from industry workshops, there's a lot of guys I spoke to who are really keen to get on and talk. So um, you will have a lot to do and say in the next couple of weeks. Okay, bye, guys. Peace out, dudes. <laughs>